and wait. And baby, I'm TFC till I die. Feeling like Michael Bublé in the house. It is a new dawn. It is a new day. And we are feeling good. Welcome to this week's episode of Toronto Till I Die. Um, your host, Mike Newell, um, as always with Michael Singh. Uh, and a uh, person that a lot of you know really well now, um, my co-host on the Tunnel Club, Sean Levy, has joined us this week. Uh, guys, what's... What a game. I mean, I, you know, for all the sort of humming and hawing and hand wringing that a lot of us were doing, me included, I'll put my hand up about that. Um, and they shut us up real quick <laughs> with a with a, an amazing result uh, at BMO Field. Um, Sean and I talked about it in the Tunnel Club. We weren't able to go, but Mike, you were there. Um, you know, just what was your weekend like, if, especially following that performance? Yeah. Okay. First off, Mike. Can we talk about that intro for a sec? Buddy, big show. You're bringing the heat. I like it. Oh, I, mean, I like you know what it. I, mean? I got to get the Buble content in there. I'm wearing a Jamaican shirt, so I had to get some kind of Canadian content in there somehow. <laughs> I mean, yeah, there's all Italian content over the weekend for TFC. <laughs> but, you know, lead, leading up to to the match, I, I, I a lot of people shared the sentiment with me. It's been a long time where we haven't been able to wait and be excited for a TFC match that was upcoming. And that was just the sentiment. Like the whole day, people were like, can we just go to the game already? Can the game just start already? Because that was, that's how excited everybody was. And obviously the atmosphere and everything just, you know, typically I like to arrive at TFC games about an hour before the match. But I decided to make it two hours on Saturday. Because I knew it would be it would be special. You just were the doing way it. You talking to take the vibes. It. Yeah, exactly. And I was also one of those people who were like, "Can this game start already? Like, come on!" Um, so I I went in and man, before gates even opened, there were long stretches of lineups outside BMO Field, like I haven't seen in a very long time. I'm not sure that's been the case all season, where no. you arrive over two hours before a match and before gates are even open, and people are lining up outside the gate. So that set the tone for kind of what was to come on the evening. And even before Jonathan Osorio scored his the fourth the goal in the fourth minute, I was I was ready to tweet out like, man, there's there's something special happening at BMO Field. And yeah, obviously as as we'll dive into shortly, lived up to expectations and then some. Yeah, uh, I think it did. Sean, you know, I know we talked about this a little bit yesterday uh, on the Tunnel Club, but uh, even from sitting at home and, and watching on television, you you kind of felt that vibe from the TV, right? Like you kind of, it, it sounded like a big game. Yeah, definitely. I mean, you had a packed house. You had everybody engaged, everybody. And, and I mean, you, you had the hype from the signings. Everybody have been anticipating, first of all, Insigne for a while now. So when you add Bernadette in that conversation, it just, it's like finally we get to see the hype that we've known for months 
come to fruition in front of our eyes. And that's, that's, I think what added to the excitement. And I mean, that first half played out, couldn't have played out. I don't think any better than any of us could have asked for it. Right. No, it was, it was the perfect result, the perfect atmosphere. I mean, BMO has been alive and electric many, many times before. This is not, it's not like this was a one-off or anything. So we've, we've witnessed, you know, probably even bigger moments than that, but the vibe, the feel, we haven't felt that way in a long time. And that's the difference. I think, you know, just, you know, you and I, we were there most of last season. Mike, I know you were there and it was tough sometimes just sitting there and feeling the, like, you know, like there was just no, there was just a negative vibe and ne- negative aura about when you were there last year. That's gone. You know, you could see, you could feel it. Like I said, we weren't there, but I could still, like, I was more pissed that I wasn't able to actually feel it live. Just, you know, like I said, the, the passion that was coming off of my TV screen was real. Absolutely. And, and just, and- just a little anecdote, Mike, just to, to kind of feed off what Sean was saying. We talked about this a lot uh, through the first half of the year before the games even started when the announcers would go around saying the names like the first name and then letting the crowd say the last name and then when you get to a guy like like Cosi Thompson or Luca Petrasso the fans go silent because they don't know who those players are when Lorenzo Insigne's name was announced the stadium shook literally the stadium shook because everyone said his name so loud so that just yeah perfect antidote to kind of summarize the first half of the season versus where we are right now in a lot of ways, you can kind of parallel it to this game in terms of the first half of this game and the second half of this game. We'll, we'll get to that in a second. We're going to go a little bit deeper into sort of the BMO atmosphere chat um, a little later in the podcast as well. Of course, we'll have the Michael Singh notebook uh, and we'll bring up a few things. And of course, we have our three burning questions. So thank you f- to all the listeners uh, who submitted questions this week. We've got a few bangers in there. That's going to be awesome. Uh, for those who are watching live, whether it's on Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, uh, if you're able to leave comments, if you were at BMO Field on Saturday, just leave a comment. Just tell us what you were feeling um, throughout the game and sort of your your lead up to the game. And then obviously watching that first half, I'd uh, love to get some comments. And if we can get them on the screen, uh, we'll, we'll try to do that um, throughout the show. But normally we wouldn't necessarily go deep diving into the game that usually gets done on the Tunnel Club uh, post-game reaction show. But I, I don't think we can really go through at least the first part of the show without talking about it. Because, like you said, Mike, the, 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 the mood from the first half of the season to this game, night and day. And I think, obviously, when you inject the amount of talent that just those two players – Insigne and Bernadeschi bring, along with bringing in a Mark Anthony K, along with adding a Domenico Crescito, who I think could have been a, a potential for man of the match um, in, in two different ways, in two different very distinct halves. Um, I mean, the new era couldn't have started off with a bigger bang, could it? No, it, it couldn't, as, as we kind of touched on. like, kind of went perfectly the way that TFC would have wanted, I think. Starting both of those guys in San and Bernadeschi, the hope was maybe they can go up 1-0, 2-0. I don't think anyone was really expecting them to go up 4-0 in the first 45, and it actually played out perfectly that Bob Bradley didn't have to play them longer in that game, looking ahead to tomorrow's, obviously, cup final. So 
yeah, in, in so many different ways, it played out perfectly. I think it's really important to emphasize that it really did reignite sort of the buzz in the city. Obviously, there was a buzz leading up to the game, but as you mentioned, man, lived up to expectations and then some. I think that's really important for uh, this team moving forward because you had the Insignia Bernadette. I was listening to the Jays game yesterday, just on the radio as I was, as I was driving home, and they were talking about the Insigne Bernadeschi moment from last like this this moment which has happened it caught the buzz of not just us obviously as diehards but bigger than us you know the casual fans are now talking about toronto fc which i think is just so huge for this team after what they've been through the last couple of years absolutely and and sean again we kind of you know when we bring it on to the pitch and we're looking at you know the players that came out and performed it felt like those two players alone just raised the caliber of everybody else. As much as they were stars of the show in a way, it's like they were able to raise everybody else's game as well. Oh, yeah, you can see it. Everybody, I mean, there was a, a hunger from every everyone, especially, I mean, again, first half, second half, two different, basically two different games, but... You know, you could see, like, you know, I saw Kosi turn the ball over. He fought to win it back and not just kind of, like, shrug his head and, like, kind of just, you know, hustle back on defense. It was, you know, Mark Anthony K always wanting to just be be a presence. You know, we know a healthy, motivated Osario is always probably our best player prior to having, you know, the type of talent we have now on the pitch. Um, like, Bono outstanding McNaughton out like you can name every single player who we've had an issue who we've complained about who we've said whatever all season long they all gave it 110 percent yesterday and it was it was that was something or sorry on Saturday that was something I think that was we haven't seen and you're right the type of talent that you bring in will definitely well hopefully that's always what you want you want them to elevate everyone else you want everyone to build to kind of want to to prove that i can play along these type type of players yeah and you know you know if you break down even the first goal right like okay sure it was it was off the you know oso's backside and goes into the net right okay that's that's a lucky bounce and but those lucky bounces just weren't happening for the team in the early part of the year right like those those plays that would happen in, in the early part of the year, the first part of the year, they go out of bounds. They they it it somehow and strikes his hand and he's called for a handball in the box. Like those kind of weird things that would sometimes just elevate you and get you going, uh, weren't happening. And and you can feel both from the energy of the crowd, but the energy that energy flowed into the players and they were just on it from kickoff, right? Right from kickoff, you could see that they were on it. And to get that goal early. Uh, you know, it, it felt like it settled everybody down a little bit. And then they were able to be like, okay, now we can show out. Now we can play some football and pass the ball around and and really show what we're about. And there was probably a 10-minute stretch, eh, maybe maybe a little less, but I'll just say a 10-minute stretch after the first goal where, you know, TFC looked like they were going to run them and maybe put three or four by them, you know, within the first, say, 20 minutes. Like that's how dominant they were. And in, in let's just yeah. say that first 20 minutes. Yeah, and, Bernadeschi missed his chance, right? Yeah. He was on the penalty spot and put that shot just wide, just a little, just quickly. 
all four of the goals DFC scored. I know Ozo's obviously went in off his <laughs> off his backside essentially, but all four of the goals that TFC scored, if you look at the build-up play on that Osorio goal, was beautiful. Yeah. The Michael Bradley header, that was I think it gets overlooked because his second goal was so nice, but that was a tough finish. Yes. You're ahead of the near post and yet you're able to angle your head to put that back post with the pace on the vault. Like that was that was such a good finish. And then obviously Bernadeschi's sweet strike and then Michael topping it off with one of his best ever in a TFC shirt, I'd say. So yeah, all four of those goals were quality football goals. And you talk about elevating the rest of the squad. Well, it's not even like guys step their game up. It was more so that the guys had less to do and they could just focus on the simple plays. Like I saw a lot of praise after the game for Lucas McNaughton. How much defending was Lucas McNaughton really asked to do in in over the course of the match? I bet you if you look at the rest of the season, it's way less compared to the rest of the season. So yeah, just how much they're elevating the game that that parts are, are making it easier for TFC's players. That part's exciting. Absolutely. And I think, you know, when you like, you know, you take a player like Lucas McNaughton or Shane, Shane O'Neill right before he went out. Right. Like, I think those are two players that I, I think don't necessarily, they, you know, they're not bringing, they're not putting butts in seats. They're not necessarily, going to erase the pulses of TFC supporters when you talk about them. But if, you know, like we said yesterday, right? Like if they can be players that you can rely on to do a saw job, they don't need to be spectacular, right? They can do the simple stuff, you know, be able to mark their, mark their, mark their mark, right? And be able to, to intercept balls and, and play when they in possession can play, you know, simple balls and to get midfielders going and moving and getting things going. That is a, again, that's going to be kind of a night and day difference with this team. Whereas prior, you know, they're, they're covering holes from players that are out of position or they're, you know, the ball's getting turned over really easily and they're getting exposed a lot and they're having to run with their backs to go, you know, like that kind of, that kind of defending puts a lot of stress on a back line. And I think just being able to, hold the ball, give it to an Insigne or give it to a Bernadeschi or give it to a Mark Anthony K and know that they're going to be safe with that ball. Um, I think does wonders for a defensive core. And obviously you see it, it's the first clean sheet in almost a year uh, in league play. Uh, and, and really at, at no point, even in the second half, and we could talk a little bit about that sort of the, the substitutions of the, the internationals out and, um, and, and sort of bringing the young kids into Neil in. I still didn't really think, Columbia or sorry, uh, Charlotte were going to necessarily score. I thought they, they had more of the ball. I didn't necessarily think though that I never got that feeling like, Oh my God, they're going to concede. They didn't look like a house of cards. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, I think they, you're, you're bang on there. And I see a lot of people criticizing what TFC looked like in the second half. I mean, criticizing TFC's depth, let's say that's what a second team should look like. And, that's kind of what I saw on the pitch after the, the second half side from maybe uh, the Ozo, Bradley, Crescito, um, that was on the pitch. I mean, they did what they come into a game where you're 4 0 up. Like, 
it's tough to really bring that same level of intensity and match the same level of intensity in the first half when you're obviously taking off the qualities of a Bernadeschi and Insigne and yeah, I, I thought they did fine. I, I, I'd, I'd like to see what the depth pieces look like. If you know, I saw Ivan here already going at IO. I'd love to see what IO Akinola looks like on the pitch next to Insigne and Bernadeschi and Mark Anthony K and, and Bradley and also like I'd love to see how that kind of works out because yeah I think you know a lot of people are taking the initiative I guess to kind of chirp some of these guys but you might see Ayo tomorrow yeah yeah you might see him up top tomorrow you have a Canadian CanCon rule for the cup final right so um, we don't know what the status of Mark Anthony K is so you might end up seeing Io up top tomorrow well you can almost guarantee you'll get at you know Jonathan most likely healthy as long as he's healthy um, and then like you said with Mark coming off early that would probably be the question mark where you would most likely then want to give Iowa start um, versus Iowa or Kerr I mean I think you would go with Iowa if you're going with a similar 11 to la- to Saturday's match and where you're just swapping out position for position but um, you know you'll probably see if not both at least one of them in on, on for tomorrow night's game. I guess my question for people that are criticizing the second half, and look, I get it. Like, it's not like I don't understand why people kind of look at that first half and go, wow, look at that second half. And go, but again, you take out the two, div- the, this was the argument just, I think like a week and a half ago after the loss, I think in Chicago, we, we had no DPs on the field. And we lost that game and everybody was kind of complaining and saying, well, you know, we didn't have any DPs. What did you expect? Well, there were no DPs on the field in the second half. So kind of the same question is what do you kind of expect? In fact, what I saw was a defensive market team in terms of team defending an improvement in how the team defended as a unit in the second yeah. half. The mission was clear. Keep, keep, keep a clean sheet, right? Like, and it, you know, if you got an opportunity to counter, then you have Pace and Kerr and Nelson to, to get at them. And eventually when IO came on, uh, that's, that's another piece you have there. But if this, if you're up four nil at halftime and you take off, you have the luxury to take your DPs off to get ready for a cup final. you the instruction of those guys are look, just don't concede, right? Yeah. Work, dig in and don't concede. And that's don't exactly con- what they did. Don't concede, no mistakes, no stupid fouls. And let's <laughs> and let's uh, <laughs> let's close it out. And I think you're you're right. It, the problem is is the hype from the first half was like way up here, and then when you don't see, you're not getting that same offensive attack the second half, which is again understandable. That's kind of where everyone's like, oh look, at, you know. I mean, it, it it wasn't pretty to watch. We all were witnessing the same things. It wasn't, you know, when you, especially when you saw what you saw in the first half. But you're right. The key is we didn't concede. We held on, or at least we 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 closed out the way you want a team to be able to close out, especially in the based on how we've done previously, where we probably would have conceded if we didn't have such a big lead. If we didn't have, if we weren't playing that team. Everyone, you know, make sure they do their part defensively. Yeah, and also, like, Insigne and Bernadeschi are on this team now. Like, it's not going to be very often where we see them, hopefully, not on the pitch, or at least one of them on the pitch with this TFC team. But it's also, 
and TFC will be the first to tell you this. Bob Riley will be the first to tell you this. There is still work that needs to be done with this roster. A lot of work that needs to be done with this roster. If you think about the core pieces that this team has brought in, there's more to add uh, to that core. And there's that's going to come, you know, maybe by the end of this transfer window, we'll see another piece come in. But there's also going to be work done in the offseason. A lot of work done when you have some of the guys that are coming off off the books and you kind of touched on it a little bit, Mike, with uh, <laughs> with that one foul. But I also I need to compliment Daniel Henry because what he brings to TFC is a no nonsense type of defending type of guy, uh, and he brings so much toughness and leadership and his veteran presence to this team. Like I, I was watching uh, that second half, and he was talking to his back line nonstop. And that's something this team has been lacking for the entire season is that that leader at the back. And when he's on the pitch, he's capable of being that guy, especially when paired up next to a, a Lucas McDonald. The tackle that he made from my vantage point, I thought it was, <laughs> I thought it was a fantastic tackle just from, from my vantage point. And I understand why people are like, especially based on his reputation are concerned with, with tackles like that. But in a four nil game, I like that because if the guy gets a touch on the ball, there is a chance that he could break through there. Um, just based on, you know, I guess my angle, I think the replay maybe showed that space was a little bit tighter than, than what it was, but I don't think it was definitive. Like, uh, you know, VR took a look at it. I know the referee didn't go to the monitor, but VR looked at it and there wasn't enough in my opinion to say there was a clear and obvious error. Right. Like I, I thought it was a, I thought it was a good tackle. Yeah. I, I thought it was, I, I, I thought, thought it was pretty good. It was a hard tackle. And I think that's people, it, people are still living into like what, you know, the, 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 the Daniel we've seen in the past. Right. But it was kind of what you want. You want him to clap your man down right in front of the top of the box and make him realize like, if you're coming in here, this is what you're going to get every time. And you'll yep. tend, you know, a striker will more hesitate, you know, versus yeah. wanting to take a, a hard foul. Like yeah, that. for sure. And he also, again, I, I think he won the ball. Like, I think he definitely won the ball there. And um, he made a couple of crucial defensive clearances as well. Like, and the one thing I actually, I'm happy that I, I thought of this again. The one thing I love this about him, when Jaden Nelson was brought down, and Mark Anthony K got a little bit heated. You know who was in there in that scrum as well, cooling everybody down, but at the same time backing his teammates up? It's Daniil Henry. And you guys know how big Daniil Henry is and how intimidating Daniil Henry is. Like Adding that presence to your team makes TFC tougher to play against. And when you're playing a bunch of kids, and even the Italian guys, having someone like that, on even just on your bench, that you know is beside you, that can back you up and when a game gets a little bit heated, a little bit heavy, like that that's so important, especially with such a young, young group of guys. And as Bob Bradley kind of touched on after the game, it's not like Daniil bringing in Daniil stops them from doing other things. So the more that I talk about it, it's a, it's a no brainer, a great addition to the squad. And I hope that he continues to see minutes on this team. Yeah. The great depth piece um, that can give you minutes, uh, motivated player wants to get in a world cup squad. Right. So uh, I, I think this is a no lose, low risk, situation in the end of the day he may end up being a piece that you keep going into 2023 if things work out right so 
if anything, it's kind of like an extended trial with very low risk. And that's kind of how I see it. I don't know how you see Chuck. No, I, I mean, I've said it since since they signed him. It's a good depth signing. He's not the savior on our defense, but it's a good piece. We need we need another center back. You know, going into that game, we had two healthy center backs, right? Prior to to signing him, um, so now technically we have four, um, or no, yeah. So hopefully we get Mavinga back, and it's just again an added rotation piece that you can rest. You know, because you don't want to be riding two guys every game, week in, week out. Just can't yeah. happen. So quickly, where does Daniil rank for you guys on TFC's depth chart at center back right now? That's a hard that that. I mean, I, my honest me too right now, given that Chris Mavinga is not playing. All right, like like we'll, we we can't. It's hard for me to to say I'm just going on who's available right now when Chris Mavinga is back. That obviously changes, but right now he it's right now it's Shane O'Neill. I would say Daniil and then Lucas. Um, if you swap Lucas and Daniil in spots at the current moment, I wouldn't have too many arguments. Um, but at the same time, from a um, from all the things that you talked about, Michael, in terms of what he brings to the team, I think he just has that little edge. Even if yes, you're going to have to live with him being. Daniil, right? And Chucky Lozanoing a guy a few times, right? Like that's gonna, <laughs> you know, that's gonna happen. And and I think for us who have been watching Daniil since literally he was a stick and a child, right? Because like when he came to this team, he was 18, maybe 17. 17. When he, yeah, when he when he first signed with the team in 2010, like he's always been that way. Uh and and that is the Daniil that in a lot of ways we love, but we also understand that. Yeah, sometimes he's going to go in there and he's going to take a guy out, and it's not always going to be pretty. Yeah, and I think that. Go ahead, sorry. Yeah, I was just going to say I think that's probably the best way to say is that we haven't really seen a healthy, you know, motivated Mavega in a while, and I think at the moment you kind of can't really like he's he. We know he's part of the picture for the rest of the season, but he just has an extent. Yeah. Yeah. So for now, you have to say O'Neal. Like we need a healthy O'Neal. If we like, for me, that's more the, the bigger concern is can we have a healthy O'Neal for the remainder of the season? But it's O'Neal, Henry, just based on his you know his experience, uh, and I, I've been impressed with what McNaughton has brought to the table so far this season. Yeah, McNaughton's been been solid. I think there's been some defensive lapses at the especially during the first part of the year. Obviously, his first year in MLS, so. That's expected. I, I think he's really good with the ball at his feet. Well, really good is, is relative to basically the rest of TFC's back line, but he's good with the ball at his feet. Um, he's confident. Is has a little bit of that toughness. Daniil's like a Shane O'Neill to me, where he's just a no-nonsense type of guy, type of defender. Um, you know what you're getting out of him kind of game in, game out. Is, is he prone to some of those lapses? Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, that's who, as you said, Mike, that's who Daniil Henry is. But at the same time, he's also uh, a guy who has a lot more than 100 MLS appearances. He's got about 50 caps for Canada. He's been there, done that for a lot of a lot of different teams around the world. And where I would rank him on TFC's depth chart, 
I would say right below Shane O'Neill. I think Shane O'Neill has definitely been Toronto FC's best and most consistent defender this season. Um, I, I think that's that's a no-brainer, in my opinion, with, with Shane O'Neill because he's, again, he's a guy you know exactly what you're going to get, and he, he brought that little bit of edginess and toughness when TFC locked it a lot uh, this this season. So he actually went down. It looked like someone landed on his head. I yeah, believe it was, yeah, it kind of came, yeah, it was challenging and he kind of got a little bit of a, I think either like a knee, a knee to the back of the head or a forearm to the back of the head. Yeah. When they were kind of falling over each other yeah. and it just, he got the rough end of it. Yeah. 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 So yeah, it's, uh, it, we'll see kind of what his status is. I think I was just speaking to Alex Bono after the game. He said he hopes that, that he's not too hurt. Um, and he could bounce back quickly, but that's definitely something you got to keep an eye on because he's he's so important to this TFC backline. And yeah, fingers crossed. Absolutely. Let's talk about another player that's really important to the TFC backline. Let's just talk about like how good is Dominico Crescito, right? Like like how I think sometimes with with obviously you have Bernadeschi and Insignia, who we're going to talk about in a second, but um, he kind of may get lost in the shuffle just because again he's a left back it's not a it's not the sexiest position unless you're alfonso davies right so um you know but he i mean the balls he was in the first half it was about the his ability to connect with insignia which is a promising sort of uh connection on that left hand side but some of the balls he was playing in uh either deep from deep or crossing into the box were just absolutely exquisite um and uh, obviously jimenez was called offside on that one uh, goal, but the ball from from Krishita uh, was just inch perfect. And you know, if there are going to be more times than not, then that Jimenez will be onside on those chances, or Io is going to be onside on those chances, and they're in on goal, right? And and that's just going to create so many more opportunities for this team to score goals. Yeah, I, I think he. I said this a couple of shows back when I think after his debut, his quality, I would say, is probably. Aside from Insigne and Bernadeschi now, probably is the most quality on the pitch. And we talked about his first touch, best first touch on the field, aside from Insigne and Bernadeschi now. Um, and what I really liked about his game is he wasn't, like, obviously you line him on the left, left-hand left side beside Insigne, and you expect those guys to link up. He wasn't afraid to not play in his Insigne. Like, Insigne drew his defender to the line, and so many times he saw the ball play through that channel in between the center back and and their right back who was stepping high because everybody was expecting the ball to go to Insigne. We saw that so many times. So, yeah, I think that's that part's great. Um, little slightly disappointed not to see him taking corners anymore because he just has that that quality with his deliveries. But when you got Insigne there on the right, it's it's tough to and Bernadeschi, of course, it's tough to <laughs> tough to argue that decision. So I yeah, he he's so good, Mike, and and it, I'm honestly I'm disappointed that he's only going to be here for like a year and a half. Yeah, and, and the the thing is, defensively, um, you know, in that second half, uh, the the really awesome thing that I was able to step into things. A lot, and look again. It's kind of hard to either Petrasso or Schaffelberg. You know, both are again learning on the job in a way. Um, and uh, I, uh, well, okay. <laughs> <laughs> sure, you can have it's in there. Um, but yeah, I think I think that you know he could step into things um, 
and do it in such a smart way, be able to position himself in a, in a way that he wasn't going to get beat. Cause you look, he's not always going to beat guys for pace. That's not his game, but his, his smarts in terms of where to be and anticipating play uh, is something that that back line desperately needed, especially on that left-hand side. Yeah. It's a calming veteran presence that like his IQ is, 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 it, it just it, it's impressive watching a backline that actually you're not worried about game in game out right now that you have i mean if if, if again no no not nothing to knock um Kosey. Kosey's done an admirable job for somebody who's never played that role before but if you can actually now add a, a right back who's you know a little bit more of a veteran right back to go to play alongside you can only, you know, somebody who can also do the same thing that we see Crescido do, because I didn't think he had that kind of pace. You know, I was telling him, seeing him move yesterday, and I'm like, like, this guy's, what, 35 years old, and he's got pace. Like, you know, I expected him to struggle a little bit in MLS, and he he hasn't looked at a place at all when it comes to that. Um, so he's helped, I think, just strengthen the, the confidence level um, when you have such a young back line. Um, at least, you know, compared to what we've had prior. Absolutely. Um, all right, let's let's uh, let's talk about the two big uh, signings in a little bit more detail here um, in in both Insigne and Bernadeschi. I'll start with Lorenzo. Obviously, Michael, you talked about his entrance when they call his name at, you know, as they announced the 11 at the stadium, the stadium shook. Um, you know, on TV, it came through too. Every time he touched the ball, there was like a collective mm-hmm. gasp of what's he going to do? You know, it's like, it, it, and it goes back to obviously the, the comparisons to Javinko are just going to always be there um, fairly or not. Um, but, you know, it's the same kind of thing. He gets the ball at feet and people are just like magic could happen any moment. And, and look, he did not disappoint for a guy who was in a calf injury and hasn't played since the middle of May. Um he did not disappoint, looked looked sharp, um, maybe not as sharp as he would be when he's fully match fit, but for a guy, again, who hasn't played a competitive match in over two months, like looked pretty sharp. Um, and then you can also see the decision-making, right? Like the the ability to draw defenders and play either Crescito or Mark Anthony K, K into space, um, or, or Osorio into space for that matter, uh, was fantastic. And then, of course, the back heel for the Bradley goal. Um, the assist there was, that was, that was, you know, chef kiss. <laughs> yeah. His, his quality shows the first time he touches the ball. Uh, and I, I keep thinking back to that play where Bernadeschi was on the right and he crossed that ball into the middle, into, into Lorenzo. So they went Bernadeschi straight to Lorenzo, straight diagonal across the field. And I'm like, Finally, like something like <laughs> be able to pick out a pass like that and bring it under, under control to the fact that you can take on your defender 1v1. I think he lost the ball after that. That was actually the chance that led to Bernadeschi's shot at the top of the box and went just wide. Um, but yeah, he's kind of came as advertised. The one thing I'll kind of want to temper expectations a little bit is I don't think he's really, maybe you might see it a couple of times, a handful of times this season, but he's not the type of guy to to take two, three, four defenders on at once. He'll typically beat a guy, and then, as you kind of alluded to, bring his teammates into the play, which is 
a lot different than we've seen from other players of his profile in coming to Major League Soccer. Obviously, with Sebastian Javinko, I mean, come on, Javinko's slalom runs. That was some of the most exciting things for TFC fans. But with Insigne, he makes his teammates around him better. The angles that he plays his passes at, those are the types of angles that literally penetrates a defense and gets you going on, on the attack. But it's it's going to require everyone to kind of get on the same page. And we saw it. I mean, at a certain point during that game, we saw teams or players on TFC all doing like a bunch of back heel flicks. I think we saw that from like the jump um, because I feel like his, they now have players that they can do that alongside. I mean, at one point, I think we saw Daniil Henry do it back to Alex Bono. And then I'm like, okay, like <laughs> everybody just, really, cool. like, everybody's feeling really themselves. Really tonight, you know? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Everyone was feeling themselves. Uh <laughs> during that game but that's that's kind of what he brings and more than that from what i've heard and this isn't just insigne it's the italians they've demanded more out of their teammates in training sessions they've they they want more they expect more it's not just bob bradley anymore who's expecting more to the guy so if someone makes like a straight pass they'll say hey give it back to them pass it again or like they'll at least comment about it so yeah, we talked about a little bit what their presence can mean to this team, and I think we're starting to see that rub off on the whole uh, the whole squad. Absolutely, and then uh, you know the 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 golden haired one of uh, Bernadeschi, goal and an assist. Um, hey, his cross looked great, even if he slipped. <laughs> um, uh, it, it's funny because there was a comment that it was that he was actually trying to probably go a little deeper um, on the cross and not necessarily go near post, but it looked like a, a rehearsed set play. Um, sim- not dissimilar to Javinko to Altador in the 2016 playoffs um, against Montreal, kind of the same idea that sort of near post flicked header. Um, and you mentioned, Michael, just the difficulty, the level of difficulty. Uh, from Michael Bradley to get that ball on just on goal, let alone, you know, where he ended up getting it in the back of the net was incredible. But I, I want to talk a little bit uh, just about Bernadeschi in terms of his, we know he's got that left foot and he's going to come in, but I felt in a lot of ways, he almost played more centrally at times than he was uh, a winger. And I wonder if that is more of a indication of how Bob Bradley wants to use Bernadeschi or if it was just a first game and he was trying to find, space in the ball and that's what presented it to what presented to him i think that's just soccer like yeah okay guys are going to be lining up on the right wing which he was for the majority of the match but yeah there are going to be times where you drift inside that's i think that just when you have a really good team you can kind of create that understanding with your midfielders and we saw it already with Lorenzo actually too. Lorenzo cut inside a bunch, dropped inside, and Ozo went out on the the left wing and took his spot. We still see a, a standard of four three three out of this team, but yeah, there will be moments in the match where Bernadeschi feels like there's more space inside where he can create something and and get a shot off, like he did during Mark Anthony K's goal. Like you look at some of the guys' runs, and he's he's such such a smart player uh, in that's what kind of goes unnoticed is sort of his 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 movement off the ball too when he put ping that pass to lorenzo he actually got after he missed his chance he actually got mad at lorenzo for not finding him at the top of the box and i rewatched that play i'm like the run that he that he 
he made was that was that was special um and if lorenzo actually got his head up and probably found bernardeski he would have had a a shot. I mean, he got a clear-cut chance anyways, but he would have had a shot that was intentional and, and a chance that was created that was intentional. So I love that part about his play. Uh, these guys play with a lot more structure than, you know, when Pozuelo was on the right-hand side. And, yeah, let's also not forget that Bernadeschi was also used as a central midfielder when at times when he played for Juventus. So he is capable of kind of sliding inside, like you said, Mike. So, yeah, I think we'll we'll see a lot of that more from Bernadeschi, but... He's more so a right winger naturally uh, than probably a central midfielder. Absolutely. Um, and just to wrap up sort of this, just the review on this game, um, Michael Bradley Brace, uh, who saw that coming? Who had that on the bingo card uh, <laughs> for this game? Uh, two DPs uh, make their de- debuts in star, and it's Michael Bradley, the captain, uh, getting a brace and two really great goals. We already talked about the header. Um, let's talk a little bit about the the fourth and final goal there just before halftime. Uh, we talked about the flick from Insigne, uh, but has Michael Bradley scored a better goal from for Toronto FC ever? Uh, I would say no. Uh, you know, in terms of okay, you know, he, he does get through it. He gets a little bit fortuitous getting through some of the defenders, but I mean. When he got through, I thought, <laughs> yeah, he, did, he probably did say that. Uh, you know, he probably said that at dinner the night before um, in, in Italian. Yeah, in Italian. Uh, but, you know, it, as he got through, I'm thinking, okay, he's going to do the Michael Brown thing. He's going to try to side foot this. Uh, but then to just the delicate chip, a great finish, just an absolutely great finish. Oh, it was smart. Like it was, I mean, uh, when I saw him, what looked like dribbling around two or three defenders i'm like wait this is not like this like where has this michael bradley been you know like he's not usually that kind of attacking offensive midfielder and all of a sudden we see him be like yeah (laughs) and then the finish was, was was it was a smart perfect finish it was again experience it wasn't about like oh my god i'm right on net let me just hammer it it was like knowing how to just chip it perfectly placement like what more can you say? It was it was a well taken, uh, uh, well finished goal. Papa Bradley was happy. You could see the the shadow of a smirk on his face in the replay on TV. Um, yeah, there you go. <laughs> yeah, yeah, just a, just a little smirk. I I don't even think it was a smirk just because Michael scored. I think it was a smirk because it was like, okay, this is what I've been trying to tell all these people about for months and months and months. When these guys are coming, we're going to be able to play the football I've been talking about in press conferences. We kind of saw it, um, you know, in that first half. We saw the vision of what he wanted to do, and now he's kind of got the and, – and they're not done, obviously, in terms of improving the squad, but you saw what the ideas were around how Bob Bradley wants his team to play, and he talked about it in his press con- uh, post-game press conference. Yeah, it's just quickly, just on the finish, like, well, <laughs> I don't think anyone <laughs> knew that Michael Bradley had that in his in his repertoire. I mean, start this guy striker, I guess. He's Anthony Corey shout out, waking the red right ass him if he was auditioning for the number nine role uh, for TFC <laughs> moving forward. But no, for me, like the goals were icing on the cake. For me, what Michael Bradley brought to that game was what we've 
been accustomed to Michael Bradley bringing to TFC in the past. And that was a, a destroyer in the midfield who quickly won the ball back, who can get the ball to guys like Insigne, Mark Anthony K, Jonathan Osorio, Bernadeschi, Jesus Jimenez, get 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 balls to them at the right times, at the right moments, quickly. And that's what we, we see. He's such a such an important piece of this team when he's able to just play his role. It's no longer Michael Bradley who needs to be the guy to spray diagonal passes to get guys in behind. Michael Bradley doesn't need to do that anymore because you guys you have guys like Jonathan Osorio and Lorenzo Insigne and Bernadeschi who can make those game-breaking passes. All Michael Bradley needs to do is get the ball to those guys, which is something he does so effectively. And yeah, Bob Bradley talked about that specifically. And he actually, and I wrote about it, it's, is that he talked about Michael Victor Vasquez and the comments that Victor Vasquez dropped about Michael Bradley after 2017. And that was when Victor Vasquez likened Michael Bradley to Busquets. And not saying that Michael Bradley is Sergio Busquets, but the type of player that he is, that's what he can be for TFC. He can be the guy who wins balls back. He can be the guy who connects passes in the midfield. Listen, Michael Bradley still led the team in touches and passes completed that game because the game still flows through Michael Bradley. But he's not making the final passes on most plays. hes I mean, obviously Saturday was an anomaly, but he's not finishing off most plays. He's the guy who's kind of doing the dirty work in the middle of the park, and he is not being asked to do more than that. And that's, that's so important to getting the best out of Michael Bradley. And I think it saves his legs a little bit, right? Like that, to me, that was always kind of the concern of not that he's playing game in, game out, though, I, again, I still maintain that he doesn't necessarily start every 90 minutes or go 90 minutes every single time. But the fact that he just had to carry so much of the weight on the, of the team, uh, now he doesn't have to do that. Now he, as you say, can play his role, be the destroyer, win the ball back, pick off passes. That was the Michael Bradley. The Michael Bradley we saw on Saturdays, the Michael Bradley we we're all used to from, say, 2014 to 20, sort of 19, you know, 20, if you want to add sort of that year in. And and that is that is the Michael Bradley that, you know, can play, can start every game and, you know, again, doesn't have to go all 90. But, you know, that's the kind of guy that you need on a team and hence why they still haven't found a replacement for him um, yeah. because he still is that guy in a lot of ways. Why yeah. wouldn't you want Michael Bradley to go 90 minutes, Mike, if you, you don't mind me asking? It's not It's not that like I don't want Michael Bradley to go 90 minutes. I just sometimes I don't think he needs to go 90 minutes every single match. Like when is the – I think he came out of one game early this year. Um, but aside yeah, from that – He's played he, all but 10 minutes this year. But, right. But why? Well, I think you just want to sometimes save – like he is still – don't get me wrong. He is still a fantastic athlete. He is fit. He's probably still the fittest player on the team. But you kind of almost want to save those legs a little bit, right, for big matches, for things like that. Because there are times where he does look like he's out of gas a little bit. And maybe that goes to my earlier comment about the fact that he had to carry a lot. 
in the first half of the year. Instead of just having to just do his role, he has to do all these extra things to cover for inexperienced players, for players out of position, things like that. That might save his legs a little bit. That's that's my reasoning and my thinking behind it. And I think there was a time where we were hoping there was, you know, within the ranks, there was the next somebody who could step up and 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 step in to that role. You know, we had there was hope for Priso. There was there's been and still, I guess, is a hope for Okello to 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 get that chance when healthy, but. I mean, I think that was where, at least at one point during early part of the season and going into at least preseason, where we felt like, all right, can we do we need to rely on Michael to do that 90 week in, week out? Can we now start to transition to that next phase where we don't have to rely? But the problem is, is there is no one else to kind of really step in and kind of play that role. So he Not has, that way, like, no, no and, and so it's kind of like, He's going to, like, not that I'm complaining because he's done a great, like, reality is he's probably just had to work harder than we need him to work. But, like, when you when he doesn't have to, like a game like Saturday, if we can get that Michael Bradley week in, week out, not necessarily the goal scoring part, but just the overall component of what he does, I'm happy. Yeah, I, I, I just think. Like, usually you would, especially with the amount of congestion TFC have had, like, he's played, also, not only has he played, like, every 90 minutes except for the 10 minutes that he came off, he's played every Canadian Championship game, 90 yeah. minutes. Um, he's been asked to do an insane amount of work, but I also feel like he's getting better as the season has gone on. And that's that's the reason I ask. It's not like we're seeing Michael Bradley slow down at a certain True. point. And usually you, you, we're talking about a 34 year old midfielder. So in most cases, Mike, you're bang on. Like, you know, he kind of got to monitor those minutes. With Michael Bradley, like he's an anomaly here, which we have to appreciate because he's a guy who takes care of his, as we know, he takes, he's insane when it comes to his regimen of taking care of his body. I, I don't know if he's missed a training session this year either. Like this guy is a machine when it comes to, ensuring that his body is ready and he's physically ready and he's so durable. It's not very often we see Michael Bradley need to take time off. So, Hey, maybe, maybe I'll, you know, have to eat my words later in the season because he's played so much minutes so far, so many minutes so far, but I, I don't see a problem with it at this point. Well, no, I mean, as long as he is healthy, he will always be on the team sheet and he will play 90. I've accepted that. Uh, you know, that's just that's just how it's going to be. And that's completely fine. Uh, it's just, again, you always kind of think about like, can you, you know, in a game where you're 4-0 up, can you give him a break, right? Like, but again, you know, when he's playing the way he's playing, when you don't have a player that can kind of replicate a lot of the things that he does in that way, Hard to take them off, and I can completely understand that. Um, want to wrap up this segment that went much longer than I initially planned, but that is okay because the vibes are strong in this room, and this is what we want to talk about. So, absolutely, that is okay. I'm gonna say the 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 p word, and then you give me a thought on it, and I'm gonna give you some uh, I'm gonna give you some numbers, and I'm gonna give you some results from around. Uh, <laughs> what's up, Mitch? Um, uh, give you some numbers and give you some results, and then you tell me what you think. Playoffs? Question mark. 
No. Why? Not that they can't make the playoffs, but I just I, for me it's all about building to next season. Right? I want them to I want them to win as many games from here on out. Like I want them basically every game you go into you want them to win. But I don't think they're that should be like we have to make the playoffs kind of focus. It's it's continue the growth, continue the development of some of these young guys playing alongside these more experienced players win another Canadian championship tomorrow night and the playoffs would be icing on the cake. Right. But that to me, it's, it, it, it's not my number one priority. Fair it's enough. it's a bonus. Okay. Yeah. I'm, I'm with you there, Sean, in the sense that anything that happens this season is consolation. Uh, there's six points back right now with 12 matches remaining. So it's not out of the question, but this team still needs to learn how to win away from home, win on the road. <laughs> they haven't picked up a road win this this season, which is which is pretty remarkable. Um, there's also the teams that are in front of them. I believe there's about five teams in front of them before the final playoff spot. So six teams that are kind of maybe seven teams if you throw Columbus into that mix eight if you throw Orlando into that mix there's there's a lot of teams that are in congested congestion there and they need to pass all those teams but a lot of those teams will be playing each other for the next stretch of this season like if you look at the strength of schedule TFC don't have an easy schedule the rest of the way when you look at an Atlanta United schedule you look at uh Cincinnati schedule or you look at Chicago schedule like comparing their schedules to those teams like TFC have a, a tough path ahead of them. But hey, I mean, if if Saturday was any indication, let's let's just not rule it out just yet. Well, uh, I'm probably leaning to where both of you are as well. I'm, I'm probably leaning towards a no. Uh, however, I'm just going to throw this out here and then everybody can make their own decisions on where they want to go. So you are right, Michael. There are Here are the teams that are above Toronto right now in the standings that are below the playoff line. Okay, so Atlanta... Miami, New England, who we play on Saturday, Chicago, Columbus, who we or sorry, Charlotte, who we just beat, and then above the playoff line, who are sort of still in reaching distance, is Cincinnati, Columbus, and Orlando. All of those points, all those teams are within at the max eight points. Okay, so that's Orlando and Columbus at eight. Uh, Atlanta is only two points, and you start to climb. So we still have a couple of these teams to play. Like, I think we still have to play in Miami. Obviously, we play New England. We just beat Charlotte. We've already beat Atlanta, right? We beat Chicago once this year. They beat us, obviously. Um, but it's not out of the question. If you consider where Chicago was when we just played them a couple of weeks ago to where they are now, they just got on a little bit of a three-match winning streak. They're ninth, and they're only two points out of a playoff spot. They're only two points behind Cincinnati um, for the last playoff spot. So take that as it is. Um, I'll also give you a couple of results from this weekend. And actually a couple of them went in our favor. If you want to start this kind of scoreboard watching, if you believe in that um, Miami lost to NYCFC. Okay. Cincinnati drew against Nashville. Columbus drew against new England. Okay, Orlando lost to Philly. Obviously, we beat we beat Charlotte. 
Uh, let me just get the rest of the results here. Just bear with me for a second. I think those are the main ones we're going to need to take a look at. Uh, yeah, probably. The, and, yeah, Atlanta, and, and Atlanta, yeah, Chicago won. They beat Vancouver. Uh, but Atlanta lost to uh, to the Galaxy. So Greg Vanny, shout out Greg Vanny, doing us a bit of a favor there. Um, so you're obviously going to need some teams to start dropping results, and then you need to start picking up results to to make that move. Mike, to your point, the team needs to learn how to win on the road because the majority of the rest of their games going through the remainder of the season are going to be on the road. Um, so they're going to have to go and learn and pick up some valuable points on the road, preferably three, not one. Um, there's very little margin of error there for them to to stay in it. That's the but thing. There's a crack. There's a little bit of light and there's a crack. Uh, I mean, How there's realistic very little it is margin. to bust it open, we'll see. Yeah, yeah. There's there's very little margin for error, but like I mentioned, a lot of those teams that are ahead of Toronto, they play one another quite a few times. Um, so some of them are going to naturally pick up points. That makes the margin for error even even smaller. You have to hope that the results kind of cross each other out and, and cancel draw, each other draw, out or draws. Draw, yeah. draw. Big, big, big draw fans here on Toronto uh, <laughs> until I die. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> that will be the that will be the the crack in the in the wall. There's a little bit of light. Let's see if they can bust it. I mean, look. It can have. Well, put it this way: Toronto FC in 2019 were in a similar position. They weren't as far back, but they did go 13 unbeaten to end the year, made the playoffs. Different scenario, I understand that, but in a lot of ways, it isn't because they ended up getting a few players. The main one being Omar Gonzalez um, and Nico Benize, and they made a mirage run to the MLS Cup final. I'm not saying that's happening now; it probably will not. But it's. It might You're saying be. there's a chance. They're saying there's a chance. We're saying there's a chance. All right, guys. Uh, let's move on here. Um, let's let's get into the Michael Sig notebook here. Um, we're running a little bit uh, longer, but that was a great conversation. Thanks everybody who were throwing comments uh, into the uh, the live comments. That was awesome to read those. Um, Michael, just talk. I just want to get an idea of just the press box on, on Saturday because I think uh, you know when we think press boxes, they're supposed to be impartial, very very objective in the way that they see a game. What was it like to be in that press box? First of all, just how many people were in that press box? I bet you there were a lot more than uh, than there have been in the first half of the season. Yeah, definitely the busiest press box of the year. Um, but yeah, like like in outside in, in the stadium, there was a buzz. Like everyone was talking about it before the game. What are these guys going to look like? So and so. Um, I remember when when Michael scored that fourth goal. I'm sitting beside Josh Cloak, and me and him just like stare at each other, be like, "What did we? Are we sure we just just witnessed that? Did that actually just happen?" Um, yeah, I mean, look when when TFC's winning. And winning in this style, this excitement, it's also great for the coverage of the team because a lot more people care about this team when they're winning. Let's face it, when they're going through tough times and a rebuild and what they went through the first half of the year, not as many people care. So I think, yeah, naturally there was there was a lot of buzz, a lot of excitement, and we'll see kind of what that 4 nothing result, hopefully some results this week, what that kind of leads into uh, through the second half of the year. Perfect. 
Um, one of the things that Bob Br uh, Bradley mentioned in his post-game press conference, and you kind of alluded to earlier when we were talking about Daniel didn't really sort of hamper any plans for more additions. We get that question every week, every show, in terms of who's coming in this transfer window. So what could some of those additions potentially look like? Are they, again, intra-league? Is it outside the league? You know, what could those potential uh, additions look like on top of the ones already made? Give me one second. Stall for 30 seconds for me, Mike. Yeah, no worries. Uh, I think there was uh, there was a it, – it, it just an interesting comment from Bob, right, because the question was – and I think a lot of people ask, have been asking this week just the idea around – all right, well, you bring in Daniil, and he's not the answer defensively. He's going to be a piece, not the final product. So what is, you know, what what is the end game here in terms of the, the back? Because I think a lot of people feel like that's the missing piece. You, you've addressed a piece in the midfield with Mark anthony K. You've obviously addressed the attack with Bernadeschi and Insigne. You know, now what does that defensive core look like? And I think that is sort of what a lot of TFC fans have on their mind. And they're kind of wondering, okay, if, if you know, kind of got their ears perked up once they said, well, Daniil's not the the last piece, what does that look like? Great. Uh, perfect timing. I was just tweeting <laughs> out that Michael Bradley was just named uh, the Major League Soccer Player of the Week. Hey, <laughs> the vote campaign worked. Good job, guys. Stuff those ballots. Uh, that's right. <laughs> First time that's happened to a TFC player since Richie Larea in week 14 of 2020. So that part is uh, very exciting and good to have a TFC player recognized, especially Michael Bradley, who not very often you're going to see him in as named as a player of the week just based on the position that he plays. Um, circling back to your initial question there, Mike, about... Um, Bob Bradley's comments. Yeah, that part is, uh, again, that further highlights how much of a no-brainer the Don Doniel Henry signing was for this team, for both parties. I think that that's great. As for what TFC are going to do moving forward, I mean, whoever they bring in, I believe they want to be part of this core moving forward. Actually, there's, that's not necessary. Sure, there's two sides of this. There's... Uh, this next week and a half could be could be defining in terms of the direction that they go. If TFC remain in contention, they might go out and just acquire a player on loan for the second half of the season, the second half push. The other half is maybe they get a player who is uh who's gonna be here for for years to come. So I know what they want is, is someone who's gonna gonna impact this team in one way or another, whether it is the playoff push this year or a long term piece. Um, but yeah, there's still room for them to to make a move, which I think is is just great. Well, like and this is sort of the confusing I think some people were asking about is like how much sort of gam tam space does the team have still? Right, given the signings that they've made so far, you know, what does that kind of look like for them? I don't know. I, to be honest with you, I, I don't have an answer for how much exact space that the team has. I just know that they have space to make 
at least one more uh, addition. And the good part about you know this summer transfer window is when you bring in a player, let's say his salary is 400k, it only counts as 200k against the cap. So they have a little bit of wiggle room there to perhaps make an addition to this team. And you look at the positions on the field. Obviously, center back is still uh, a place that this team needs to improve. We talked about their depth early on, and I think it's that's a no-brainer that they need to improve that that depth and bring in probably a starting quality center back. And also right back, I think, is is a position this team can improve. So, yeah, keep an eye on, I'd say, one of those two addition, two positions if TFC do decide to pull the trigger uh, this summer. All right, awesome. Um, and then sort of one uh, question that's been out there, that keeps reoccurring. So I kind of amalgamated into sort of just one overall question is just that this sort of free agent situation with TFC, with the MLSPA releasing sort of the players that would be available or eligible uh, for free agency in the off season, you know, the likes of Bono, Oso, Westberg, Mavinga, you know, those, those names we kind of knew about already. Mm-hmm. We also knew about this is the final year of Michael Bradley's deal, but he was not on that list and i think that confused some people out there don't know if this is something you can answer or or know but you know why would he not be included uh on that mlspa free agent potential free agent list yeah to be honest i i don't know uh it's something we've actually been inquiring about we've yet to to hear back about that so not sure if he had an option that was already done i'm not sure if he resigned um or i'm not sure if it's just like a clerical error from the mlspa because those lists are not always the most accurate especially also the the salary figures that are released sometimes also aren't the most accurate i've been told so i mean it's not the official official free agency list so i wouldn't say read too much into that in terms of his contract yeah i've spoken to michael about this and like he's he's going to return to toronto fc it's going to be a team-friendly deal he told me flat out it's never been about money for him and he said he actually mentioned that people laughed at him the first time he said that but obviously he left money on the table his last deal to give tfc a dp spot and i imagine he'll he'll do the same uh moving forward with his next contract and this is a guy who uh obviously wears tfc on his sleeve and is going to be a member of tfc for a very long time whether it be as a player or in a capacity beyond uh, a player. So yeah, I, I, I'm not too worried about Michael Bradley's upcoming free agency status. Yeah. And, and maybe this is a question for both of you and John, I'd love to get your thought about this. Um, the sort of second half of that, that question was just around, you know, of the free agents that's out there, who's the one that comes back or should come back on a deal. Um, to me, it's obvious it should be a Sorio, but who knows what the I'm not getting into the whole DP thing. I know I made that comment. A couple <laughs> Everybody just, like, oh, just yeah. jumped all over me, though. I did have some of the defenders out there. So thank you for those who, hey, who great content, Mike. Come it's on. great, content, great content. Absolutely. <laughs> but like, you know, uh, who do you think I would like, if there, are there any of the free agents that you'd be like, yeah, okay. We, we got to bring that player back. Have to or want are two different things. Fair enough. Okay, let's say want to. Let's say want to. Okay, then that's also. I want to bring him back for sure, right? And I, and not at an overpriced amount. I want to, you know, pay the man his, his his fair due. But, yeah, I want him back. I just think 
What's you know, an overpriced amount for you, Sean? Well, that, that's that's you know what I. He's we already know he's making at least a mail something right now, so I don't. Yeah. I'm not willing to. You know, I don't think he should get a pay cut. You know, a little raise, bump him sure. up, get add some incentives, right? Like, it, you want him to continue with the, the hunger and that desire, but and sometimes I think the best way is if you can do incentive based. You know, where where they have to kind of like. They want the money, all right. They're going to earn that money. Right, but isn't he already close to the max TAM anyway? Look, we then... Uh, he's about 400K below it, 500K below so it. So then, like I said, give him the max you can without without giving him that 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 word. Okay. Okay. I, I know how Michael feels about this, so I don't need to go through uh, that again. Um It'll be interesting because I he might have a case to be like nah, I'm probably worth more than a 400 grand bump, and at that point you got to make a decision whether you keep him or not. Well, I mean it's more about well, six hundred, but yeah, yeah, okay, so six hundred. But he may say like I'm worth more than that, and he may feel he honestly is, but the market will prove whether that's fact or fiction. And I mean, there's probably a team in the league that would pay him that much that bump, right? Um, don't say it. So I'm not. I'm not. Yeah, I'm not going to say. I want to see it happen, and I don't see him really. Like for me, it's it's if he's staying in MLS, it's with our club. But like I said, if he, it all depends on what he feels he's worth. Okay. All right. My thoughts on this are clear, so I'm not going to go any further than that. Um, all right, uh, let's close out the show, guys, uh, with three burning questions uh, this week. These come in from the TF hashtag TFC Live community. Uh, so let's go. First one, uh, hi, this is amalgamation of, again, questions. A lot of people were asking this in regards to the Canadian Championship Final, which is tomorrow at 1030. Just a program note for the Tunnel Club. We will be doing a pregame show. Uh, for that, we'll figure out the start time and, and let you guys know online. Um, but how do you, how would you, or how should Bob Bradley deploy uh, Lorenzo Insigne and Federico Bernadeschi tomorrow uh, in the cup final? And I think that question is more in the context of should they both start? Should one be on the bench and one start? You know, what, what ideally do you think uh, should be the way to manage, especially as again, as Bob Bradley kind of said in his post game, right? These guys are kind of at the beginning of their preseason, right? So they're not fully like 90 minutes match, match fit yet. I think you start both of them. And I think you start the same way that the team started against Charlotte. If O'Neill and Mark Anthony K are fit and good to go. Um, I think, that that way you have a better grip on how exactly you can sort of manage their minutes because if for whatever reason I think there's extra time uh so if it does go to extra time then you're not taking that risk I, I think we'll go straight to penalties no didn't go to penalties, penalties? Straight penalties? so far straight to penalties. so far every game's gone straight to penalties I, I think it goes straight to penalties oh, okay well that changes things then. yeah because the, 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 the game in Hamilton went straight to penalties yeah so, uh, yeah, I think then that changes things. Absolutely. Uh, bring them off, off the bench, start the second half, and kind of see where the team goes from there. Okay, so you're, you're don't, don't start them, bring them on in the second half. If there's no extra time, yes. Okay, fair enough. All right, Sean, what do you think? 
if you're playing that scenario, do you want to play potential playing coming back or do you want to just finish the game as early as you can? Where you can afford to just rest them and not have them try to, you know, like I think there's more physical pressure on them coming in second half if we're, say, down one or two, right? Because then they, and they're going to feel the need that they have to perform. We have to, you know, versus you start with that, your stronger 11, they come out, you get a, a, a lead, maybe you're up two or three. Not saying the same thing as what we saw <laughs> on Saturday, but you know what I mean? You have that confidence. You kind of want to, like, it, it's like you just build off of that, 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 that confidence of, of that starting 11 playing together. Um, and versus, yeah, to me, you have to start at least one, if not two. That's that's fair, and I see where you're coming from there. And you're not wrong, because there is no right or wrong here. We're not going to know how this game plays out. What I'll say is that this team went to Vancouver already this season. Oh, honestly, TFC's second team went to Vancouver. Yeah. And outplayed the heck out of the White Caps and should have came away with a victory if they weren't robbed by the official. So I'm not afraid of the Vancouver White Caps, even if Bernadeschi or Insigne aren't on the pitch to start the game. That's my only kind of reservation there. But again, I I I take your point and it's completely valid. Yeah. Um I think the situation is a little bit different than back in what we've, I think it was May we were there. Um, just simply because again, it's a cup final. They're going to be up for it. They just lost um, against Chicago. And I think rested some, some players who would normally play. Uh, and I think also, um, I think you start both. And, and I, and look, Mike, I think your, your, your point is hundred percent valid in terms of how you you're thinking about it, but I think why ruin the vibe of what you kind of already started to build in terms of the chemistry of the players that started that first half on, on Saturday, right. Continue to, to grow that um, and, and try to put this game at, away as early as possible uh, and that point, if you do need to rest in, uh, an Insigne, you know, get him off the, the turf and make sure, you know, that that calf doesn't get aggravated on that turf and you can take him off earlier. Great. Uh, what I think is going to happen is one starts and one sits. So I think Bernadeschi starts and maybe Insigne sits and then they're going to assess where they're at, maybe at halftime. And then if they need to bring him in, they bring him in. Right. Uh, I think that's where they go. But if you have an opportunity to start both and, you could put Vancouver on the back foot right away and, and, you know, bag two goals in the first half and make it a little bit more comfortable for yourself. Uh, then why not? You know, this is a game they need to win, right? They want to go to champions league. They want their shiny new toys to go to champions league. So try to win this thing as early as possible. You got to get back and get on a flight to Boston for the weekend. Uh, so put it to bed early. On turf uh, again. Like the, the weekend. That would be perfect. By the way. Yeah. Turf again. <laughs> turf, exactly. Exactly. Right. So, they're going to have to play on turf at some point. Uh, okay, so we're going on to the next question. Uh, which TFC player will get the most benefit, increase skill level, their ceiling, football IQ, et cetera, 
uh, playing long-term with uh, Lorenzo and Frederico. This comes from Giancarlo. Hey, so gosh. I'm assuming he's talking about young players. Yeah, that's a, that's a really good question. For me, uh, I mean, there's a lot <laughs> that are definitely going to benefit from that. Um, Jesus Jimenez, of course, would be one of the main ones uh, just based on the position that he plays in a starting role. But if you're talking about young players... There's two for me that stand out right off. Oh man, there's there's a lot. So, yeah. <laughs> Kosi was the one that just popped to mind because he had a fantastic game over the weekend, and obviously having Bernardeski right there as an outlet helps. Interesting that he's the young player that kept his spot. Now, obviously, the right back position being what it is, but it's interesting that he kept his spot. Yeah, yeah, I think that's more so to do with the position at the right back and, um. Another one that's obviously going to benefit a lot is is Io, because, I mean, the Jesus Jimenez reason he plays striker and lining up in between those guys is again is mouth watering and he'll, I mean, Io makes a lot of good runs. He hasn't really got a lot of good service uh, over the last two, three seasons. So just having those guys, I mean, we've seen Io when he. He plays with Pozuelo and he can get slipped through. We haven't seen Io play with really good wingers yet. So I know Io's a guy who loves making runs on the shoulders of defenders and kind of getting in front of defenders. Let's see what that looks like now with players who can whip in a ball into the box on a consistent basis. I think that part's really exciting. And then, of course, Jaden Nelson. Uh, watching Lorenzo Insigne day in, day out at training. We all know Jane Nelson's decision-making in the final third leaves a lot to be desired. But watching Lorenzo now on a daily basis and see what he does when he gets into those positions, I think that part is is going to do well for his game. And I thought actually, I actually thought Jane Nelson was a, was a bright spot when he came off the bench. And I think maybe it's a little, a little bit of a fire under him now that his spot isn't guaranteed into the squad. I know there has been European interest in Nelson, but I also think that Bob Riley wants to keep him because he sees him as part of this future and sees the potential that this kid has. Absolutely. Sean? Um, I probably have to say the same three in that same order, um, just based on, I mean, what we saw at Akosi on on Saturday was, you know, like a motivated young man. Like he seemed eager to show that, you know what, like I think he, for him, I think he wanted to impress the guys, the new guys, show that, you know what, he's young, but he can play and he can play alongside them. Um, and then you're right, when it, it'll be interesting to see what Io can do with, you know, getting the kind of service from those type of, of, of wingers. Um, and then you you can only hope Jaden's going to, like, this can help him get to that next level, right? Because we know the raw talent that's there, but now it's tweaking it, knowing – when to you know when to attack the wing when to hold up when to you know like just the little things right that that it's the intangibles that that often you can't you can't actually just a coach can't teach it's having you know playing alongside higher iq soccer players mm-hmm yeah i'll i'll add uh for mine luca petrasso i think he'll learn a lot with crescito I'm in a left back position. And then obviously we've already talked about Insigne uh, in terms of when he plays up in the wing, but I think he'll learn a lot from Crescito defensively. Cause I do think Batrasso's long-term future could be as a left back. Um, 
and, and you know if he can if he can learn from Kushito and learn about positioning and again sort of the things we talked about earlier in the show uh then I think Luca Professor has a bright future um in football whether it's with TFC long term or it, it's somewhere else um but uh that I think is where uh that's the one player that I would actually think could really learn a lot and really sort of blossom under somebody like Rashito. Um, all right. And last, a burning question of the week. This was uh, this was an interesting one. That's why I picked this one because I uh, didn't really consider it or even think about this player until uh, this question came up. But uh, this comes from Danny. Has there been any consideration about recalling RO Jr. from loan? Uh, he's, of course, on loan in Brazil at Santos, is apparently not playing that much um, at Santos. Uh, so Danny's wondering, would we, have, would we consider bringing RO back for, uh, for a little run before, I assume, I think his contract's up at the end of the year. Uh, unless something has draft drastically changed no. or TFC are really desperate. No, uh, RO made his bed, uh, with some of his actions over the past year and a half and, uh, TFC decided to move on. And I don't think they want to head back into that direction. So no, I don't believe so. Yeah, I'm fine with that. Like, I, R was fine uh, as a right back. I, I, I like right now. Do I say you take him out and they're they put him in the team and they're significantly better than they are now? I'm not so sure. Yeah, and his his move away was not about his ability to play on the pitch no. or you know family reasons or anything like that. Like his his move away from the team was. I mean, I've I've talked about it before on this show. Uh, he he made his bed. Like he he did what he, you know, chose to be as professional as he did over the last couple couple seasons with TFC, and that's that's not where TFC want to get back to is is that level of professionalism. So uh, yeah, they've they decided to move on. That's that. Um, all right. <laughs> we'll, uh, we'll then we'll, we'll wrap the show up, uh, today. Thank you everybody, uh, for listening, uh, and, and tuning in. It was a bit of a longer show, but I mean, Hey, when you win four nil with two new DPs and the, the atmosphere that was in BMO field uh, on Saturday, you got to talk about it and talk about it in depth. Uh, just a couple of programming notes. Uh, like I said, a little bit earlier, uh, Sean and I will be back for the Tunnel Club on Twitter Spaces. Uh, that will be tomorrow, but we'll be doing a pregame show, not a postgame show. I don't think you want to be hearing from us at like one in the morning. Uh, so uh, we'll we'll do a little pregame show. We'll figure out the starting time, uh, and then we will post that uh, through the Tunnel Club Twitter uh, page. Uh, Toronto Till I Die will be back again next Monday, 3 p.m. as always. Uh, so if you have burning questions for next week's show, please uh, send those in. Uh, we'll send out a post. Um, but other than that, uh, gents, anything else you want to sort of get out there before we wrap up tonight's show? Uh, just, just quickly, like, man, the sport with this podcast has been incredible. Uh, obviously, the TFC Tunnel Club, what you guys do is it's fantastic, and I think a lot of people appreciate it. Um, if any listeners out there are listening via podcast, if you guys can just do us a favor and just leave a review, I think that would uh, go a long way. And yeah, I mean, like I said, the direction that this this is heading and the direction the team is heading, it's exciting, and we're we're having a lot of fun doing this. So we appreciate everyone's comments, everyone chiming in, and everyone's support. It uh, it truly does mean a lot to, to all of us. I know I'm speaking on behalf of Jeff too when I say that. So thank you guys. 
Yep. Uh, Jeff, all the way in North Bay, if you're listening, buddy, uh, a lot of, a lot of, uh, bug spray, uh, you know, don't get eaten by those flies. Uh, it's long production nights for, uh, for Jeff up there in North Bay. We'll, we're looking forward to having him back soon. Um, okay. So on behalf of, uh, Michael Singh and Sean Levy, I'm Mike Newell. Thanks for listening to Toronto till I die, like rate, subscribe, uh, to the podcast and, and uh, we'll talk to you uh, next week. Take care, guys. Have a good one. And wait, and wait, and baby, I'm TFC till I die.